And the challenge from uh, this lesson today is to pray fervently. To pray fervently. If you look at page 75, we begin with a question, as usual. When the going gets tough, how quickly do you call for help? When the going gets tough, how quickly do we call for help? Is it right away? Or do you try to figure it out yourself? Or you try to figure out what's going on? How quickly do you call for help? When Peter stepped out of the boat and began to sink, he cried out quite quickly, Lord save me. That was immediate. Do we do the same thing when we find ourselves in difficult, uh, tough situations? That's the question to ponder. Let's look at the Bible meets life on page 76. How do you manage your to-do list? All of us make priorities based on, urgent, on the urgency and importance of the task in front of us. For example, getting to church on time for your wedding is both urgent and important. Some things like your annual physical are important but not necessarily urgent. Other things like answering a ringing phone call for urgent attention but may not necessarily be important. Folks in my house don't ever answer the phone. I call over and the phone rings and rings and rings and rings and everybody's waiting for somebody else to answer it. So I guess it's not important, right? Those internet videos of kittens, sorry, but they're neither urgent nor important. I wonder where prayer would rank on such a list. It should be an urgent priority, yet it often falls to a last resort. In Daniel 2, we'll see that effective, fervent prayer connects us with the one who can provide for every need and can solve every problem. Do you think about that? God is the one who provides for every need and can solve every problem. So you kind of wonder, why is he the first person that you, you call upon? Why is he the first person that you go to? If he can provide every need and solve every problem. Isn't it logical that that would be the first person you call? It's logical, right? What did he say, a no-brainer? <laughs> no-brainer. Yet it doesn't happen. Interestingly, it doesn't happen. So look at the point on page 76. What does it say? Our prayers connect us with God's plan. Our prayers connects us with God's plan. Now, that means that God has a plan for us. And the only way for us to realize that plan is through prayer. Because our prayer connects us with God's plan. And uh, of course, God does all things well. And that was a, 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 a phrase that was repeated over and over at, at this homegoing service yesterday. God does everything well. God knows what he's doing. God to God be the glory. Okay, let's look at the... Uh, 
I what the Bible has to say about all of this. Page 99. And if we can have someone read uh, verses 13 to 16. Before we do, continue, I want you to think about the background or the context of the passage that we're going to read. Page 77, yeah. Sorry, page 77. What I said, page 99. <laughs> no, sorry for that. I don't know wonder I'm just so, so, so silent. Okay, page 77. But consider the context that this uh, passage is written in before we read it. Early in his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that caused them to have some sleepless nights. Real troubling dreams. His disturbing dreams haunted them with a vague suspicion that he and his kingdom were threatened by something that was much bigger and beyond his control. Something to be feared. Nebuchadnezzar's dream was so troubling that sleep deserted him. He couldn't sleep. According to verse 1, apparently he had, some, he had to have the same dream night after night until he couldn't sleep at all. Okay, he had sleepless nights and then just couldn't sleep at all. All in probability, Nebuchadnezzar had little confidence in his alleged wise men and was testing their integrity more so than their intelligence by insisting that they tell him the context of the dream as well as the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar would know whether they were truly, whether they truly had supernatural insight if they could tell him the context of the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Okay, so that's the context or the background of the passage uh, that we're going to be reading provides. Okay, so let's have someone read verses 13 to 16, please. The decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed, and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. Then Daniel responded with tact and discretion to Herioth, the commander of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Herioth, the king officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh. Then Ariel explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar issued a decree that the wise men were to be killed, executed. And this order included Daniel and his friends too, because they were included in the category of wise men. Notice the definition of wise men there in, the, in that side bracket. A general term referring to king's counselors. So they were not necessarily people who were smart, but they were just simply counselors of the king. They were advisors to the king. Okay, so they were not necessarily wise in the context of being smart or intelligent. Uh, they were limited in their intelligence and their, and, their, and their smarts. But they were smart enough to be 
advisors to the king, uh, often called counselors to the king. And so Daniel and his friends were included in, in that category because remember Daniel was, was one who interpreted, interpreted many of the dreams that Nebuchadnezzar had. When everybody else couldn't do anything, they called Daniel and Daniel was able to come and give them the kind of interpretation that uh, no one else could give. And so Daniel asked why the wise men had been condemned. Rather than demanding an answer or crying out in fear, Daniel responded with, notice what the verse says, tact and discretion. Daniel could have feared like all the other wise men, oh, why do they want to kill us? What have we done wrong? The term underscores the twin qualities of wisdom. And so we could see from the way Daniel responded that he was a person of wisdom. Twin qualities of wisdom. Tak refers to counsel and discretion to taste or judgment. And so that's how Daniel responded. Daniel asked why the king's decree was so, so harsh. I mean, what you're asking, oh, oh your, your highness, is, is virtually impossible. Is what Daniel is, uh, is, is, is uh, implying here. And the Hebrew word translated harsh can also mean hasty or urgent. Okay, why are you so quick to kill these people? Why is it so hasty to kill these people? Why is it so urgent to kill these wise men because they can't tell you what you dreamt? Or the interpretation of the dream? Daniel's question to Arik was not so much centered on the harshness of the king's decision, but also most particularly on the hastiness of the decision. Daniel wanted to ascertain the reason why the reason behind the king's abrupt malice toward all the advisors. You know, why, why, why you, what, what brought you to such a conclusion? And so Daniel and his friends were lumped in with all of the other advisors and uh, sentenced to death. What options, question number two, what options do we have when facing a crisis? What options do we have whenever we are facing a crisis? You're facing a crisis in your life, what options do you have? Anybody? Prayer. Okay, you would think that for the believer that would be the first option. But for some, it isn't. Of course, they would think of somebody else who had the problem that they're going through and try to go find them and find out what did you do, rather than go into the one who is able to determine uh, what the problem is, the nature of the problem, and uh, not only that, but he can fix the problem because he knows the nature of the problem. And so the options that we have may be many, but on top of that list should be the option of prayer, first and foremost. For many believers, prayer is often the last resort. They try everything else, and when everything else fails, then, oh, I guess I got to go pray when prayer should have been at the top of the list. Okay, let's have someone read the paragraphs on page 78. Have you ever had a dream that woke you up and kept you up? King Nebuchadnezzar had just, had just such a dream and it troubled him greatly. Although the king didn't know it at the time his dream had come, had come from God. What Nebuchadnezzar did, did know was that his dream meant something he called in the 
intellectual of today. Those members of this court who claim to have all the answers, if the wise men really did have all the answers that came reason, they should be able to, to not only interpret this dream, but also explain what happened in the dream without his help. That's what he demanded from them. Not surprisingly, the wise men and diviners could tell him, couldn't tell him anything at all. They were relying on their own intellects, reasoning, acute practices, and false God. Therefore, none of them could deliver. As a result, Nebuchadnezzar deemed all of them useless and ordered their death. We saw it in our previous study that Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah were among Nebuchadnezzar's counselors, which means the king decree also called for them to be executed. When the commander of the king's guard came to Daniel, he responded with attack and discretion with 14. He didn't argue, fight, or run. He simply asked the commander for information, and then Daniel boldly went before the king and asked for one thing, one thing time. Daniel didn't know the king's dream, but he did know who was the source of the dream. All he needed was time to pray. That's an important lesson when we are looking for a spiritual answer. You don't go to politicians, educators, or scientists. You go to God. Okay, amen. But look at that last paragraph now. Daniel didn't know the king's dream. Okay, he didn't know. He was like all the others that the king wanted and, and, uh, the information from. He was just like them. He didn't know the king's dream. But he did know who the source of the dream was. So he knew something that the other wise man didn't know. Okay? Like them, he didn't know the dream. But unlike them, he knew the source of the dream. All he needed was time to pray. And so what did he ask the king for? One thing. Time. Just give me some time. Give me some time and I'll get back to you. Okay, so he needed time to pray. And so obviously, this was not a quick prayer. Lord, save me like Peter's. Okay? This was an, was an intense appeal to God to find out what was really going on. And so that's an important lesson for us to learn. When we're looking for spiritual answers, you don't go to where? You don't go to politicians. For some reason, some people think that politicians have the answers. They don't. Okay? You don't go to politicians. You don't go to educators. Even though educators are people of knowledge, they are still unknowledgeable of the problem that you have. And you don't go to scientists who think they know everything. And they can figure it all out. But those are the three areas, those are the three types of people that people go to whenever they have a problem. Politicians or legislators, educators and scientists. You don't go to any of them. Okay? And so sometimes 
God is number four on that list. First, you go to the politician, you go to the educator, you go to science, and then you don't get all the answers that you need from any of them. Well, I guess I got to go to God. He's the last resort. Then you ought to be the first. And for Daniel, he was the first. And that's the lesson that we learned from Daniel. Now, verses 13 to 16 introduced a crisis for Daniel and his friends. They found themselves lumped in to be executed with all of the other wise men. As we move to verses 17 to 21, we'll see that their response to that crisis included both supplication and praise. Their, their response included praising God as well as praying to God or making an appeal to God. Look at verses 17 to 21. Then Daniel went to the house, went to his house, and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about this matter. Okay, so he had a prayer meeting. He called a prayer meeting. Okay, he didn't just go by himself and say, Lord, you get this big problem. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. He called his friends to get these fellas. We need to have a prayer meeting. Okay, verse 18. Urging them to ask the God of heaven for mercy concerning this mystery. Okay, they realized that this was bigger than them. This was beyond them. There's absolutely nothing they could do. They needed God to intervene. This was a mystery that only God could solve. Okay, so Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest. Uh, with the rest of Babylon's wise men. Okay, the mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night. Now notice, Daniel and his friends, Daniel uh, uh, called a prayer meeting, got together with his friends, they prayed, and God revealed the mystery to Daniel. Okay? In the middle of the night, in a vision, at night, in a dream. He revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel praised the God of heaven and declared, May the name of God be praised forever and ever, for your wisdom and power, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Now notice what Daniel didn't do. He just didn't get the interpretation of being jumped up, run out to the king and give him the interpretation. Daniel acknowledged that God is the one who gave the answer. You know, sometimes uh, we pray and God gives an answer. We're so excited that we got an answer, we forget to praise God. We forget to thank Him. That happened to all of us, right? We are so excited that God answered this prayer, provided the answer, and we jump up and... Remember the ten lepers? God healed all ten of them. How many of them went back and gave thanks? One. And we, we're just like that leper sometimes. And Daniel shows us that, you know, when God answers prayer, we need to acknowledge that he is the one that gave the answer. Give him all the praise, the honor, and the glory that he deserves. And so after Daniel expressed his request to the king, he returned home to inform his friends. And they prayed together, had a prayer meeting, and God answered the prayer. Note the three aspects of Daniel's thanksgiving prayer. First, Daniel extolled the name of God. God's name is synonymous with his person and character. God's name represents all, not some, but all of his divine attributes. 
And this is a critical factor regarding answered prayer. Whenever someone claims God has answered a prayer that contradicts his character, we can be assured that that claim is erroneous. Okay? Whenever someone says, oh, God answered my prayer, and you listen to the answer of that, what they claim to be the answer to prayer, and if that answer does not line up with the attributes of God or contradicts the name of God, then that, that, that's not an answer from God. That came from somewhere else. Didn't come from God. Okay, so we need to be cautious about how people claim God answers their prayer. Because sometimes it really ain't God who answering. It's that other fellow. He answers prayer too. Okay? So some of the claims can be erroneous. God does not contradict his faithfulness and his holiness. So God, if someone says God answered their prayer, and you think about the answer that they say that they got from God, and that answer doesn't line up with the faithfulness of God and the holiness of God, then that answer that did not come from God. Okay? Now remember, Satan is a liar. He is also a master counterfeiter. He is a master deceiver. Okay? And he does a whole lot of things to make people think that God answers their prayer when it really isn't God at all. Okay, now, remember now, we are reminded that, that a guardian, God gave each person, each believer, a guardian angel. So all of us have a guardian angel that takes care, watches out for us, makes sure that uh, whatever happens to us is according to God's plan and God's will for our lives. We may not be aware of that or conscious of that, but it is. God has given all of us a guardian angel. Now think about that for a minute. Just to give you an idea how many angels there are, right? If all of us have a guardian angel, how many people on earth? Six billion people? How many Christians? So many million or billion? But God, but then, but remember now, because Satan wanted to be like God, he counterfeits everything there is about God and that God does. When we go to the book of Revelation, we see that he has a trinity too, just like God has a holy trinity. He has a trinity too. Okay, so he counterfeits everything there is about God. So what makes us think that he doesn't counterfeit uh, a guardian angel for those persons who want answers to prayer. He assigns a demon to every person on earth so that they can give them that person some of the things that they think that is an answer to prayer. And so we need to be conscious of that, that whenever there is an answer that is not in accordance with, with, with God's faithfulness and His holiness, it doesn't necessarily come from God. Second, the second aspect of Daniel's prayer magnified God's wisdom. God's knowledge is his inerrant comprehension of every detail, bit of information that exists. Okay? God has a full and complete comprehension of every single piece of detailed information that exists. Okay, we may not just we may just have bits and pieces. Okay, but God has a full detail of all the information that exists. His wisdom is the inherent is the inherent application and use of his perfect knowledge. Therefore, God inherently knows how to faithfully apply the right means to achieve the perfect conclusion. Only God can do that. Not only that, but God is pleased to give wisdom to the wise, as the, as the pastor says, he is pleased, he is excited to give wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. 
While at first pause, this statement may seem unfair. It does not mean that God is capricious or unjust about his benevolence. Okay? Or he's in, or, or flippant about his benevolence. Or loose about his benevolence. The reason God rewards the wise with more wisdom is because they received and obeyed his wisdom to start with. Okay? So whenever you take what God has given you and you do something good with it, normally God is going to reward you with more. Jesus made a similar point in his parable about the soils. He declared, for whoever has more will be given to him. Whoever has more will be given to him. That's Matthew 13, 12. Remember that parable? Whoever has more, more will be given to him. Whoever has more will be given to him. When God grants the wisdom of his truth to eliminate our paths, he is delighted to give us more as we walk in his steps. And then the third part of Daniel's prayer focus on God's power. Daniel declared that God holds the power to change the times and the seasons. Only God could do that. Okay? Men have experimented, but they've had no success. Only God has the power to change the times and the seasons and to alter the events of our times. Consequently, God is the one who removes kings and establishes kings. It's amazing how rulers don't, don't remember that. Okay, God has the power to put, up, to put kings up and take them down. And yet, they get into power and they think that they put themselves there. And they're all powerful and almighty. But um, Daniel acknowledges this uh, in light of what the king was threatening to do. From a human perspective, Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world. There was no one more powerful from a human perspective than Nebuchadnezzar. But of course, Daniel and his friends knew better. He tolerated no rivals and bowed to no other person on earth. Daniel, however, stood upon a truth that was far greater than Nebuchadnezzar's big fat ego. Namely, that God rules and God's might allowed Nebuchadnezzar to live and preside as king. That's what, that, was, that was Daniel's perspective on Nebuchadnezzar and his big fat ego. God is the one who's, who's, who has all might and all power. Okay, let's have someone read the paragraphs on page 79, please. Daniel didn't pray alone. He urged his friends, Ananiah, Michelle, and Azariah to pray with him. Of course, their lives depended on God's answer. But they had faith he would respond, and they continued praying until he did respond. We can follow the example set by Daniel and his friends to start we must pray correctly. The young Hebrews came to God seeking mercy. They didn't demand his rights. They didn't complain. Instead, they approached God with pure and humble hearts. Here are two more elements for praying correctly. Have the right relationship True prayer depends on having a spiritual relationship with God that enables 
us to call him Father. This can only this can come only through faith in Jesus Christ. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying of a father. Make the right request. The Apostle John wrote, Now this is the confidence that we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. John 1, 5, 14. Correct your prayer remains in line with God's will. As a second way to follow Daniel's example is to pray persistently. Jesus gave this crucial advice about prayer. Keep asking and, and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7. Third, we must pray expectantly, verse 16, saying, Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. He was confident God would give him the interpretation. Daniel knew who was in charge and who, and who gives wisdom to the wise. Okay, now notice a couple of things there. We can follow the example set by Daniel and friends to start. We must pray correctly. Okay, so that means there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Okay, a second way to follow Daniel's example is to pray persistently. Okay, like Jesus said, keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on knocking. And then a third way, we must pray expectantly. In other words, you're praying with the anticipation that God is going to do what you're asking him to do. Okay, so you're praying and you're expecting God to do something. You're expecting God to answer your prayer. When Daniel said to the king, give us some time, he knew that when he went to God and, God and prayed to God, God was going to give him an answer. So he prayed expectantly. And he was anticipating that he was going to be able to go back to the king and give, God, give the king some answers based on the answers that God has given him. And sometimes we, we pray mechanically. Okay, we pray mechanically. In other words, we have this mechanical way of praying that doesn't have any kind of expectation attached to it. Okay, we just say in prayers. Basically, basically. Okay, it's like the, the Catholicism, where they have these prayers written out, and it's mechanical. They just say them. They, they just don't mean anything. Okay, and so he says we pray expectantly. We pray for God that God is going to answer. And as someone put it, uh, you pray as if everything depended on you, and uh, you, you, you do as if everything depended on you, and you pray as if everything depends on God. Question number three. When have you encountered the power of prayer? When have you encountered the power of prayer? And this would be in relation to how Daniel's power of prayer came. You know, you prayed and God answered and it was in a powerful way that just blew your mind. Anybody? We're basically talking about an answered prayer. Yeah, I remember, I remember one of my students had um, spider meningitis and um, was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Couldn't stand or anything. That period of 
came here. Yeah, I had an experience some years ago. Uh, we were a part of a youth group, and uh, we met on Saturday evenings, and uh, we did prayer meeting, uh, we did Bible study, and we did some outreach. And we had a van uh, that belonged to the to the organization. And um, we had some, ish- some, some issues with the van. Sometimes it wouldn't start. And um, uh, it was used by uh, Abundant Life. Before Abundant Life uh, got established and everything, they were just starting out. And so Abundant Life used this van as well for church meetings, pick up people to go to church. And, uh, and so there was another guy who would come from Abundant Life and he'd pick up the van and he'd go and bring it back. And, and uh, it went back and forth between our group and, and, and the church. But it belonged to our group. And it, it had a problem that uh, sometimes it wouldn't start. And we found that there was a little uh, plug underneath that sometimes it came loose. And if you just plug it back in, that solved the problem. Okay, so one time, one evening, uh, my friend and I were uh, at his house, and we were we were we were sitting in the van. We were talking right into the wee hours in the morning, as we normally did. Uh, both of us were leaders in the organization. We'd be talking about plans and, and all kinds of stuff. And um, when it was time to go, really late, and uh, I said good night to him, and uh, click, nothing happened. The van wouldn't start. All right, so I say, I, mean, I know what the problem is. We had this little plug underneath, and we went went under the van and plug it in, and. Click, nothing happened. Didn't work that time. All right, and so we there all night trying to figure out what's wrong with this thing. Why this wouldn't start? And a patrol car was passing through the corner. Uh, police passed by and they saw us, these two guys fooling around with this van. So they stopped and asked, "Everything okay? Yeah, no problem. We're trying to get to start." And uh, and so we were. We didn't have a searchlight, and so we were under this van with a match. Dangerous. <laughs> Real dangerous. <laughs> And uh, not best part why the police stop. Uh, so, you know, I said, so Jeff, uh, Jeff, was, Jeff was my best friend. I said, Jeff, man, we got to pray about this, man. This ain't working. You know, our, our solution is not working. Let's pray about this. So, uh, we, we do what's now under the van, laying on our backs, looking up under the backside of the van. And, uh, and so we lay down there and we pray. You know, we pray and we pray. And uh, both of us prayed. And then when we finished praying, we said, okay. See you later. Jumped in the van, turned the key to start. Wow. <laughs> wow. We're talking about praying expectedly. We'd done everything that we thought we knew what to do. And uh, prep was, was the last resort because we figured we had all the answers. All we had to do was just stick this little plug in. And so we decided we're going to pray and expect it. There was nothing else we could do. We prayed expectedly. We prayed. I said, okay, Jeff, see you later. He went inside his house, I jumped in the van, turned the key, the van started and went home. Now I had no anticipation that that would not start. Because I was praying, that's what he talked about, praying expectantly. That's what, that's what uh, the third point is. We must pray expectantly. Pray with the expectation that God is going to do it. Not without any doubts. Question uh, number four. What are the benefits of praying as a community? What are the benefits of praying as a community? Two is better than one. All right, two is better than one. On bed two or three, 
Okay, so Daniel didn't pray by himself. He got his friends together and they prayed together. And we've seen many things happen as a result of community prayer. Where God's people get together as a group and they pray. Now as we conclude with verses 29, time is going fast here. We'll see Daniel boldly proclaim the value of connecting with God through prayer. Now there's an exit, there's a, there's a activity there, but I'm going to leave that one out because, we, because of time. Uh, verses 26 to 28a. The king said, in reply to Daniel, whose name was Balthasar, are you able to tell me the dream I had and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king, no wise man, medium, divine, diviner, priest, or astrologer is able to make known to the king the mystery he asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has let King Nebuchadnezzar, he has let king Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Okay, so Daniel says, man, what you're asking is impossible for any human being on earth. But God has the answers. God is able to reveal. Okay, let's look at the passage on page 80. When Daniel stood before Nebuchadnezzar to reveal both the dream and his interpretation, he made a statement that must have shocked the king. No wise man, medium, diviner, priest, or astrologer is able to make known to king, to the king, the mystery he asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has let the king Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Daniel wasn't referring to any of the false gods of the Babylonians. That's probably what Nebuchadnezzar was thinking. He spoke of Jehovah, the God of Israel. Daniel could have taken credit for successfully revealing the dream and his interpretation. But he knew better. He understood that everything, including his own abilities and wisdom, is rooted in God. The glory belonged to the God alone. It's been my experience that people often turn to disciples of Jesus during moments of crisis. When that happens to you, use the following lessons from Daniel. Take the initiative, number one, take the initiative with discretion and discernment, verse 14. Show them the love of Christ. Solicit support from God's people, verses 17 to 18. Pray fervently for them and rely and relay God's answers, an answer grounded in scripture. Number five, give the glory and praise to God, verse 28. Daniel could never have been God's instrument without fervent prayer. May God help us to see the need in our own lives to pray fervently for his grace, insight, power, and revival. Okay, so Daniel could not have done anything successfully had it not been for God. Question number five, page 80. How do we reapproach the experience of prayer in a way that glorifies God? Put another way, how can we more fully incorporate prayer into the life of our group as a community? Now we look back at the point. The point of the lesson is our prayers connect us with God's plan. God had a plan for Daniel and his friends. And only prayer was able to connect Daniel and his friends to that plan that God had. And God was able to reveal his plan and get all the glory for it. Okay, let's look at live it out then on uh, how we're going to apply this on page 82. 
Consider the following suggestions for deeper practice, for deeper, for jumping deeper into the practice of prayer. Number one, talk with God every day. Okay, talk with God every day. If you are not a prayer, start now. Prayer isn't just what you do in a crisis. Prayer is spending consistent time with God in personal conversation. Set aside 15 minutes every day for an uninterrupted conversation with God. Share what's on your heart and listen to His response. Number two, maintain a prayer journal. Keep track of your prayer requests each day. Just as importantly, record how God answers your prayer. And number three, pray with others. Start or join a group specifically for the purpose of prayer. Gather for an hour or so once a week to pray for your families, your pastor, your church, missionaries, civil leaders, special needs in your community. Okay, so there's three things we can do as a result of an application of this lesson on fervent prayer or praying fervently as we go forth during the course of this week. In all its different facets, prayer isn't about seeking what we want. It's about seeking God's plan and seeing that He is honored and glorified through our lives. As God Himself promised us, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. Jeremiah 33.3 You want to know some stuff that you don't know? Call upon God. God promises that He's going to tell you some things that you don't know. Incomprehend, great and incomprehensible things that you don't know. Just in case we think we know everything. We don't. 